Okay, you got, like listeners can't see this, but I've got my hands over my face. Oh my god! And Sarah's just staring at the ceiling. <laughs> Hello, welcome to What a Way to Go. This is a podcast about unusual deaths, near misses, and bizarre stories. Um, we are your hosts. I'm Eleanor Gamer. I'm Sarah Austin, and I'm Claire Daly. Uh, welcome to episode seventeen. Seventeen. Day driving day six hundred of the heat wave. <laughs> We've forgotten what clouds look like. We've never not sweated. Steve, um, Steve legitimately last night said to me, "Remember coats?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't remember coats." No, I'm genuinely considering, you know, holidaying in the north of Scotland. <laughs> I am going to Scotland in two weeks, and oh, it is yeah. like thirteen degrees. Oh, that'll be so nice. You might even be able to wear a jumper. <gasps> I do love jumpers. I, I do jumpers. miss jumpers. Mm. I think my preferred state is in a jumper. Mm. See, I have to say, like this, like no jacket, no uh, jumper is my joyous state. But it has just been quite a long. I just, summer. I just, I'm at work during the day, so I'm in air conditioning, which is nice. And then I go outside, and it's too hot, so I don't want to sit and sunbathe, and also the top of my head near my fringe always gets burnt so I just have to be inside like a little child and it's your finished blood isn't it my finished blood you shouldn't be exposed to more than two hours of daylight (laughs) I never am usually and then at the weekends it's cloudy like it's just all wrong I want to be warm in the sun on Saturday and Sunday and then it to be cloudy and rainy the rest of the week (laughs) when I'm inside yeah Sort it out. Yeah, we don't have faces anymore. They've all sweat off yeah there's a lot no makeup left a real lot no makeup selfie um, anyway, not to be British and complain about no. it. I crossed the road. I'm going to change the subject. I'm taking. I'm veering left. Fine. I crossed the road with Vince Cable today. Did you? Yeah, nice. Didn't say anything. Of course. But I was just next to him, and he had one of his like, um, AIDS. I guess you know. It always just sounds like such a weird word to say, but he had one of his AIDS with him. One of his staff. Yeah, staffers. <laughs> Whereabouts was he? Old Street. I'll shoot around about have a little cross. He's, he's shorter than me. Is he? Yeah. So sub 5'10". He looked very elderly. It was definitely Vince Cable. He's quite an old chap. <laughs> Maybe he's just... You sure? I've lost all touch with age. I have applied for this... Um, it's not a club night, but it's... <laughs> Who are you? Tell us more. It's this, like, party tomorrow night. It's a Rinse FM thing. And you have to enter, like, a ballot... But part of the ballot is you have to give your age. And I accidentally gave my real age. And then it's like, so you fill in all the details and then you're like, okay. And then they say, okay, we'll let you know if you've got tickets. And I was like, fuck, should I have, should I have gone 29? I should have changed. My real age is 33. And then I just thought, is that, are they going to let me in? What? <laughs> Do you ever give your fake age? Do you ever well, I, don't, I don't know. Just for, suddenly I was like, are they going to search for a particular demographic I mean they're ageist if they do yeah. aren't they you don't but want to like, go to a party it's a feminist all old garages they're not going to have 20 year olds surely no and if they are they're well, fake, fakers I'll let you know next week listeners if I got in yeah probably, probably didn't sure to be there next <laughs> week we'd have lost her to Rinse <laughs> FM old school garage why are you going out on a school night what's wrong with you because it's it will be very good okay fine yeah anyway should we talk about death maybe okay I've got a or new missus I've got a near miss for you. Oh. And I've got a doozy okay. of a near miss. Okay. And I have to say, I realised last week I 
uh, mined the rich seam of Guardian experience without actually acknowledging that that's where I got it from. So heads up for Richard Eshelman and his mushroom story, which was originally found on a Guardian experience. Did you see our our pal Tiffany sent us pictures of a book that she's got in her house? No! Yeah, on Instagram story. Oh, wicked. Yeah, no, Instagram messenger. She sent us some pictures of a mushroom book that she found in her house and it mentioned the mushroom that you mentioned last week. Too many M words there. (laughs) Mentioned the mushroom. Mentioned the mushroom. But yeah. I saw that picture. What the fuck is that little egg thing that it grows out of? I mean, mushrooms are weird. Let's Mm, not not beat around the bush. They are fucking weird, to be fair. Anyway, go anyway, on. Anyway, so I, I've mind that I'm still I'm still down on the gardening experience mm-hmm. um, column because my husband reminded me of this story and I'm like, oh fucking god, you're so right. I should do this, so I'm gonna do it. Okay, I'm gonna tell you the story of Angela Watson, and I'm just gonna start the story rather than giving you any hint. Don't look at the picture. Ah, <laughs> Elsa, okay. I can see Elsa's eyes like it's creeping over, but you probably probably can't really tell. So it's June 2014. Angela Watson had recently split from her husband and she was living with her 17-year-old daughter, Maisie, in... There's probably going to be a number of these breaks. Sorry. Oh, I'm editing. Fuck it. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Fuck you, Daily. You're going to have to edit this out. Future Daily. Yeah, future Daily. Fuck you, past Daily. I've got no respect for your time. <laughs> so she's living with her 17-year-old daughter, Maisie, in a small terrace house in Louth in Lincolnshire. Um, as I said, she's split from her husband who was working as a painter and decorator. Um, just a very normal day in June 2014. It'd been chucking it down all day. She felt a bit unwell. So she and Maisie had a takeaway. Totally normal day. And she's like, do you know what? We've just moved in. I'm going to take my first luxurious bath in our new home. Oh, God, is this a story about It's not bath. Ah, it's not. That's what it is. Well, I love a bath. So she's like, okay, lovely. I'm going to take a little relaxing bath. I've only just got into, side note, for 33 years I haven't really bathed and this year I've had like three or four and they are lovely, aren't they? Have you had a lush bath before? Oh no. (gasps) I've had a lush bath rather than... Lush brand. Anyway. I got to 30 and didn't. I didn't appreciate bath bombs. I thought it was a waste of money. Mm-hmm. And then I got one and it was the best bath of my life. They're a lot of money, so I don't use them all the time, but they're great. This isn't an advertisement for mm-hmm. Lush, but bath bombs are great. Have a, ha- I'll get you a bath bomb. Thanks. I'll treat you to a bath bomb. Cheers. I'm not big into baths. Mate, give it a go, honestly. I've had one. <laughs> yeah, no, but I was, I was you, mate. This was me six months ago. I was like, oh, no, baths aren't for me. And then but I baths had... aren't for washing. Obviously, no, 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 that's a byproduct of being in a bath. But it's for reading. Oh, so my friend Bryony, hi Bryony, she listens. She bought me the Rupi Kaur mm. poetry book mm. for my birthday. Lovely. I read it in the bath on the Saturday night after my birthday and cried my eyes out in a freezing cold bath because it was part of the heat wave because it's been going on for so long. <laughs> and it was fucking euphoric. It was horrible but lovely at the same time. Like baths are. Transcendental. Is that a word? It is Transcendent. Now. There you go. Transcendent. I get a bit hot and a bit uncomfortable. Just don't make them too hot then, <laughs> Like Do a bit of cold water in there. Get a bath shelf. Maybe have a glass of wine. You could watch TV in there. You can read a book in there. My bath's a bit scummy as well. Okay, well. Clean have it. one in daily. No, but it's been clean. But you know when... <laughs> clean it? All right. Shade. <laughs> have you ever tried uh, cleaning your bath? <laughs> Mr. Muscle. <laughs> clean that bath. Anyway, baths are great. Carry on. Maybe they're not after this story. Well, <clears throat> bearing in mind the subject of this podcast and that you know that this is a near miss, 
I'm throwing it out there. What do you possibly think could have happened? She fell asleep, she drank too much wine. Good suggestion. There's an episode of Jonathan Creek where they stay in a... She falls into a massive <laughs> tank under the bar. Yes, yes. A tank under the bar? There's like a slip uh, trap door in That's the bar. That's very much not a near miss, though. <laughs> then you just Whoa. get stuck in a fucking tank of water and probably die quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But that's what I th- that's what I re- that's what I thought of straight away. But yeah, that's that's an episode of Jonathan Creek. Oh. Uh, she someone goes missing and no one can find her. The room was locked. She was on her oh, own. Oh shit! And it was a trapdoor in the bath, and everybody died in that room. But they did find her. Actually, it was a near miss. They did find her, but everybody else died. Old Sheridan, what's her name? Was that her? I yeah, remember who it was. The blonde. Yeah, Sheridan Smith. She. Yeah, she gets in and gets out again, so I stand corrected. Yeah. Sorry. Take it back. I do. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's neither of those. Okay. Neither of those. Okay, so. So she's decided to take her first luxurious bath in her new home because um, she'd been feeling a bit shit. And her daughter Maisie perched in the bathroom with her for a while. They had a little chat. And then she just. Maisie went off to do whatever she wanted to do. Note, and this is important, the bathroom was on the ground floor. Okay. Anyway, so she's been in the bath about 20 minutes, starting to relax, when she hears a loud noise outside. Mm-mm. It was a loud noise of a car. Its exhaust was screaming as if the pedal was flat to the floor. Angela instantly knew something was going to happen, but not to her. The car came through the bathroom wall. Oh, my Shit. God. And basically... A fl- threw her like four foot into the air, obliterated the bath, and obliterated the wall. Oh my god! So she's just lying in the bath, and a car drives the fuck into her. Oh my god! Mental, right? Yeah. Absolutely crazy. She was sudden, as I said, suddenly lifted four feet in the air, flung through the bathroom wall into the backyard, and left lying naked and soaking wet on the concrete. Oh, that is actually one of my worst nightmares. And it's just insane. Um, and what she so she says there was deathly silence. My mouth and nostrils were full of dust and rubble. And in another account, when I think when it had just happened, and she was talking to the papers. This is really this has really stayed with me. My mouth was absolutely forced open full of brick rubble. Ooh. So like so much rubble was coming down on her that it was like forcing her mouth open, Ooh. which is just fucking crazy. It was in my nose and ears. I had to spit all of that out of my mouth before I could even start screaming for help. The bath was in smithereens. There's literally no trace of the bath left. Um, So bricks kept falling on her. She couldn't move. She just thought, oh, God, Maisie. And she says this voice came out of her calling out for Maisie in terror because she's obviously worried her daughter was just like with her just now. Anyway, she then the next thing she knows, she feels her daughter with her. She's like kissing her face. She's starting to lift the bricks off her. So her daughter's absolutely fine. Um, and she's lifting the bricks off her mum. Um, and then Angela wiggles her toes so she realises that she wasn't paralysed. Basically, at that point, the driver is standing over them, like, through this hole in the wall. Uh, Maisie's scream at him, screaming at him to, like, help her and move all the bricks off Angela. But he just said, it's not my fault I had a blowout. Like, he's just said, my tyre burst, basically. What? Yeah. And then he disappears. What the fuck? Yeah. So that that guy was Kyle Rance. Fuck you, Kyle. Yeah, right? And he just disappears off the scene. But there was someone else 
standing over them who started helping and he took off his coat and put it over Angela. Soon the yard was full of paramedics and the fire brigade. It felt as if they were on top of her as she lay there for two hours while they like... Because obviously they can't just instantly start trying to pull her out because they need to make sure the rest of the house isn't going to fucking fall down around them so that she just has to stay where she is for two hours while they make the rest of the house safe and start getting her out. It's fucking crazy. She says, at no point did I think I was going to die. The main thing was the pain and the concentration it took to breathe. Eventually they put her on a on a board, then a stretcher, and then into the ambulance. She says, they gave me ketamine. It felt like a disco. <laughs> Great. Cool. All right. Cool. <laughs> little little pleasures when you've... A little bit of ket. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> Just a little dash. Um, and they drove her to... Oh, no, she, they transferred her to a, an air ambulance and she went to Coventry Hospital. Basically, the injuries she sustained are absolutely insane. Broken ribs, punctured and collapsed lung, five broken bones in her back, smashed mm. pelvis, mm. slight brain injury. Her toes and left ear were almost severed. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's fucking Jesus crazy. Christ. And she said, every part of me was cut to shreds by tiles and bricks. <gasps> yeah. It's insane. So basically, uh, she was in hospital for 13 weeks. Shit. It's a really, really long time. And she says, before my accident, I was like Wonder Woman. I worked, ran every morning, went horse riding daily, played hockey twice a week. So she was super, super active. Mm. Well, she was a painter and decorator at that time in her life as well. So her job was very physical. When she left hospital in a wheelchair, she was terrified. Mm. She had doctor's appointments every day, was sick from all the tablets, but through sheer determination she got herself onto crutches so out of a wheelchair and onto crutches so she's had i mean i guess this happens with a lot of people that go through these huge kind of accidents she uh, took a long time to kind of come to terms with what had happened and how much her life had changed basically her the, the nurses brought her jigsaws and then Maisie, her daughter suggested painting so she started like having a little dabble in painting she says blobbing out pretty colors uh, then she painted an animal picture from a magazine and then realised maybe she had some talent. And then in 2015, um, she was accepted as a contestant on the BBC's Big Painting Challenge. Oh, How nice is that? That's so cute. Yeah. Um, so she's got, obviously her life has massively changed, but she's moving on. Yeah. Kyle Rance, um, he... So basically there's some testimony from the people that he was with. Rance had picked up his passengers from Louth Golf Club where they'd been attending a wake. Um, he, but apparently he set off driving like a teenager, kind of like showing off, driving really, really fast and jerky. There were two girls in the back of the car that were trying to light cigarettes, but it was so unsteady they couldn't even like get the cigarettes into their mouths. So people were, he was driving like a fucking dickhead. And I yeah. think that is safe to say. He wasn't over the limit at all. Like basically he had a very low alcohol um, breath alcohol reading but clearly he was just for some reason driving like an absolute knob mm. um, he was jailed for two and a half years and banned from driving for five and according to Angela she wanted to see the good in him but he never said sorry oh, honestly that kind of behaviour like anything can happen mistakes can happen but that kind of behaviour is unforgivable yeah like oh my tyre blew out it's like yeah but you could have killed someone yeah, yeah. exactly You've ruined this lovely woman's yeah. bath even if <laughs> even if you hadn't you know even if he hadn't affected Angela in that way or gone into her house he's got passengers in that car and he's driving like a knob just fucking chill out it's disgusting. Yeah, it's real bad. Was it, so he was a teenager? No, he was 30. He was 30? Yeah, he was driving yeah. like a teenager. Oh, okay. 
Because not that it's better, but you know, like teenage, like teenagers, not everyone. But don't all, but don't always have the the kind of self awareness and the foresight yeah. to be. And then a scale like that would usually something not yeah. like that happens very often. But a thirty year old, thirty year old, you yeah. would think you should know better. Pathetic. You're pathetic. Yep. Not that he's listening to this, but. <laughs> Agreed. So is she mobile? She's and... mobile, yeah. So obviously, like, her life is totally different. She has, like, had a go back on her horse. Her horse is called March, which I quite like the name of. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mark, which would have been better. <laughs> Mark the horse. Do you know what? Yesterday, I forgot that Frankie Dettori was a jockey. What? And I saw, I, can't, I think I thought he was a chef for a second, and I saw him trending on Twitter because there was some race happening. I was like, oh, is there is a he race? still for... racing? Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought... Oh, is there a racehorse called Frankie Dettori? <laughs> no. Like, no. He's a jockey, that's all he's ever been. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's the story of Angela Watson. Did she live on, like, a particularly busy road? I don't think so. Oh, here's the picture. I mean, it, it looks like in a computer game when a, a character or a car goes beyond the limit of the parameters of the land that it's in so basically it looks like that car has just disappeared into a wall rather than the wall coming down oh my god how was he going so fast yeah that's really weird actually isn't it it's like they've cut a car in half and then put it against a wall two people estimate that he was doing 60 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour limit yeah what are you up to being a knob i just can't imagine like 30 miles like it's always resident do you know what i mean like residential streets 30 miles an hour doing 60 miles an hour But also, who drives like a dick to impress people? Like teenagers, but he's thirty. Yeah, exactly. Never been cool. Calm down. Jesus. Well, I'm pleased that she's made a full recovery. Well, no, I I don't think it's full, but she is better than she was when it happened. happened. Yeah, good. Mental, right? Mm, Very much so. Just makes you. Remember how vulnerable everyone is. I know, but just sitting in your bath, you don't think a fucking car's going to come through the wall. Elle's over to you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, robots. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> happening. Um, this is why you've been so averse to them this whole time. You don't want to get found out. Yeah, you're a robot. yeah I hate them. What? Don't touch me. Don't get me near water. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you about the laughing death. Oh, this is right up your alley. Yes. And it's a bit sciencey, so. Oh, it sounds creepy. Yeah, it's a bit creepy. <laughs> You love creepy. I do love creepy. I was talking, sorry, an aside, I was talking to my friend Nina over the weekend. She listens to the podcast. Hi, Nina. Hi, Nina. Um, Hi, Nina. Hi, Nina. And she was like, I can really tell when you hate the stories that your friends are telling. And I was like, why? She's like, because you go really quiet. <laughs> and she was like, there was one the other day, and I think it was your story about what's-his-face that went out at three in the morning looking for aliens. Oh, oh yeah. Well, Zygmunt. Yeah. Something. Yeah, and she was like, "You were really quiet during it," and then that th- your your friends were just like, "Oh, let's do this at the weekend," and you were like, "No, I don't want to do that." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not very good with like ghosts or because I just hate the thought of talking about ghosts and then seeing a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not petrified about the story per se, but I don't want to see a ghost. I don't want to do Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody yeah. Mary, and then like, well, I'm not in front of a mirror, so it's fine. <laughs> and then um, and then see it. That's what I don't want to see ghosts. I was doing more research than I care to for places to stay in London. And um, I think I came across something that's a hotel. I can't remember what it was, but it's a hotel that's supposed to have like one of the most haunted rooms. Absolutely not. 
Yeah, I'm up for it. Let's go. <laughs> See you later. I'm really up for it. Matt and I stayed somewhere in Stratford upon Avon, and that the hotel had appeared on. Um, I didn't know this before. We Most booked haunted. it on Most Haunted. Oh shit! Yeah, nothing weird happened when we were there. Mm. Sadly, I think we were staying in maybe the slightly newer part of it. You know, there was like <laughs> the less haunted part of it. <laughs> yeah. It's built in requested. 2015, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna dive straight in there. So the population of Papua New Guinea's highlands was relatively unknown to the rest of the world until the 1930s. Uh, and then some Australian gold prospectors headed Always over there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool guys. Uh, and realised that there are approximately a million people living in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. So about two decades later, a group of researchers made their way to the villages and they discovered something quite disturbing amongst a tribe of around 11,000 people known as the Four. Again... Elsa's notes are bullet pointed. I love it. Absolutely love it. It makes it easier for me. <laughs> I love it. We've all got our own styles. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it. You're a highlighter. I'm a fucking essay writer. Well, normally and you're, you're a bullet your, pointer. Normally you're in your laptop. Yeah. Yeah. They're dashes rather than bullet points. Oh, I, I apologise. They serve the same purpose. I apologise. Um, so within this tribe, there were up to 200 people dying a year. So bearing in mind there are only 11,000 within the Shit. tribe of an unknown illness um, that once it reached the clinical stage quite quickly led to a person's demise. The disease was called the Kuru, which meant trembling or shaking. So quite literal. Um, so the disease kind of manifested people that were affected by the disease would initially have trouble walking and that was quite a sure sign that they would be about to lose control of their limbs they would then lose control of their emotions so people that were suffering with it were prone to sporadic pathological bursts of laughter which they had no control over that's quite creepy yeah so that's why the disease became known as the laughing death in the final stages the sick person can't sit or stand they have trouble swallowing which leads to malnutrition they become unresponsive and they lose the will and the ability to speak. So it's quite oh my, awful. That's really extreme. Yeah. What's also quite scary is that prior to presenting with the symptoms, the incubation period averages between 10 and 13 years. What? Can be as short as five years and the longest period has been estimated at 50 years. So they've been suffering with this for 50 years? But they wouldn't have been suffering with it because it would be the incubation stage so oh, you could right. have it. But not know. And not know. For 50 years is the longest, but most people, once they contract it, they're fine for 10 years and then that's when... Oh, wow. This is fucking mad. Yeah. I've got so many questions, but I'm going to let you finish your story. <laughs> Q&A at the end. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Are you take each last queue up behind the microphone and wait for you to finish? <laughs> Put your hand up. Miss. <laughs> what was also quite bizarre is that the disease mainly affected women and children, and in some villages there were almost no women left because they'd all been affected by Jesus. this disease. Is it going to be hysteria Hysteria again? (laughs) Yeah. Bloody women. (laughs) So what was causing the laughing death? Why was it affecting a specific tribe of people? Why was it affecting mostly women and children? So researchers spent years trying to find the answer to this. They ruled out an exhaustive list of contaminants uh, and then they thought that the answer was genetic. So in 1961, a researcher called Shirley Lindenbaum, who was a medical anthropologist from City University of New York, she travelled from village to village within the highlands of Papua New Guinea, mapping out locals' family trees. 
And what she discovered was that the laughing death affected women and children within the same social circles, but not necessarily in the same genetic group. Mm -hmm. So she kind of ruled out that it could be a genetic factor that was causing this. So once she ruled out genetic causes and contamination, she had a theory. Her theory linked to funerals and specifically the practice of eating dead bodies at funerals. I'm sorry, the what? Excuse me, what? So this was exactly my reaction when I read this. And what I discovered is really interesting and kind of puts a different spin on on it. I'll go into it. Please do. Please carry on before I'm sick. So <laughs> within the four, within the, the, within the uh, tribe, when a member of a village died, they would be cooked and they would be consumed. Okay, you like listeners can't see this, but I've got my hands over my face. Oh my god! And Sarah's just staring at the ceiling. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Fuck. This was done as an act of love and, of, mm. and an act of grief. So, a medical researcher said, when a body is buried, it would be eaten by worms. When it was placed on a platform, it would be eaten by maggots. The four believed that it was much better for the body to be consumed by the people that loved them. So it was done out of respect and love. That is fascinating. I don't disagree with their process. No, no, no. But that's what I was thinking was like, I read it and was like, oh God, because I don't want, you know, like... You don't want to... Am I assuming you don't want to be like insensitive... To other people, to what was their culture? And, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it made it made me re not rethink cannibalism. But it's it's a di- I had no but idea that that was ever something yeah, that was me done. Either. Not at all. But of, that's not kind of what you think of cannibalism, though, is it? Because it's you not, think it's kind of a desire to eat rather than a yeah, exactly. So it's often portrayed. I mean, either you get those random stories occasionally where someone's killed and then eaten somebody and that's an act of murder or you get it portrayed in things like Silence of the Lambs where you have, again, a murderer who does that or you get it portrayed where maybe it is shown that cultures that practice cannibalism but it's used as like terror or maybe picking off the weakest and eating them. It's not that. I mean, I don't know. I don't study. I've not studied cannibalism in every single culture that practices that or whatever. What? (laughs) But... It never occurred to me that that might be a reason. And it does spin things to be like, well... Well, it's far more understandable. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So, Lindenbaum made the link that there was a connection between the practice of cooking and eating somebody who's died and then this disease manifesting in people. It also explained why the sickness mostly affected women and children because it was women that prepared and ate the body. So they would mix the brain with fern and cook it in tubes of bamboo and then they would roast the body and they'd eat everything apart from the gallbladder. Fucking hell. Do you want to know why it was just women that ate it? It was a belief that their bodies were capable of housing and taming the dangerous spirit that accompanies the dead. Oh my God, that is so fascinating. You can just imagine men being like, nah. Uh, um, I think you, you, you're that. probably you better at this. <laughs> you eat that bit. I don't want that. You absolutely. Your just body's eat that. better. To, you're, you're better equipped. Holy fuck! This is amazing. 
And so, of course, women would occasionally pass pieces to the children because they're... Women feed children. Yeah. Yeah. And children would eat it because their mothers gave it to them. And it wasn't until boys reached a certain age that they were told, in quotes in the article, not to touch that stuff. So they got to a certain age and men were like, nope, don't. But I guess it's partly because they thought the spirits that accompanied their dead body would maybe manifest themselves more in in men. Or they just knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah, perhaps. Fine, okay, carry on. Um, So the case was closed. We're not going to like this. The case was closed after a research group at the US National Institutes of Health injected chimpanzees with infected human brain. No, 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 no. And saw the symptoms of Kuru develop months Mm. later. Leave the fucking chimpanzees alone. So it was dubbed a slow virus. (sighs) However, it wasn't a virus. It was caused by a twisted protein that compelled normal proteins on the surface of nerve cells to contort like them. So there was a twisted protein and once that got into the human tissue or whatever, it meant that other proteins that were perfectly fine would then start to mirror that protein that had gotten there by some fucking weird... Unbelievable. You're blowing my mind, baby. Yeah. So that would mean that eventually um, there would be enough misfolded proteins to kill sections of nerve cells in the brain and that would leave it covered in holes, which obviously led to... Death. Death, eventually, after a breakdown of function in every sense of the word. What is likely to have happened to have led to this epidemic is that it's kind of thought but I think fairly widely regarded this probably happened is that one villager developed CJD mm. well mad cow disease the human version of the human version yeah. yeah which is a degenerative neurological disorder it affects one in a million people so obviously that's tiny 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 amounts but it's normally controlled because people rarely come into contact with affected human tissue. So somebody has it and they die from it and it's not passable. But if you eat that person. But if you eat that person. Oh my God. So the four stopped pra- the practice of this more than 50 years ago. Um, but cases did continue to pop up sporadically because of how long the incubation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last person known to have died from the Kuru is was in 2009. And the epidemic was officially declared over in 2012 so given that this stopped in the 60s that's that's a long time mad so that's the quite unusual case of the laughing death that's so good and also big shout out to npr because i basically got all of this from an article that they had on their website which was very did they put it into a podcast i guess so maybe I did that not listen to that podcast was fascinating i and loved that so much well done, well done. Making up for my lack. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to fucking kill it this week. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I find stuff about kind of like um, tribes and hidden tribes and, mm. you know, people across the world really mm. fascinating anyway. And I always find kind of the the things that people do or the things that they've always done always really interesting. Mm. But I've never heard of that before. That's fucking no, crazy. I know. And I, I think it does, it, it, it does challenge your views on cannibalism. I'm not saying that. I think no, it's yeah, completely yeah, understand it from a point of respect and love. Yeah. It's like I love this person so much that I want them to be part of me. Yeah, and I yeah. don't want them to be 
food for the worms. Yeah. They deserve I more want, than that. Yeah, I want their body to go somewhere after it dies. Yeah, I get it. And I suppose it, as well, it depends on like if they're in the highlands, like burial isn't necessarily going to be an easy option. I remember watching a, can't fucking remember at all the context of it, but they were in like, uh, Mongolia, like in the it, like in the mountains, basically, and they the way they bury their dead is what's called a sky burial, and they basically chop the body up and like throw it up, and like the birds get it. I don't know whether it's literally vultures, but they'll like mm. they'll keep chuck they'll cut it up and they'll chuck it up to the birds until all the birds have eaten all of it, basically, and like that's how they do it because there's not really soil to bury people right. in. Yeah. Um, and maybe cremation wasn't an option. I don't know why, but yeah, it's that's yeah, yeah. what what made me think of that. Is like, oh, it's like an alternative way of disposing of your dead. Dead. Yeah, because yeah, I did think that. Like, you think, well, what about cremation? Mm-hmm. But then we've got no idea what beliefs were held by this particular tribe of people mm. that maybe meant that that wasn't a possibility, or the or the climate or the surrounds that they were yeah, in. Yeah, Why that wasn't the way that they wanted to do it. It kind of like pushes against my belief of like, because it's been quite well documented how a lot of people will go into really closed tribes or really closed communities and just push their way in, you know, try and infiltrate, try and find out about people and just be colonisers basically, which is what Mm. white people have been a lot of the time. And I don't necessarily always agree with that because I think that that is quite negative. Like there's lots of tribes and there's lots of groups of people that have existed for centuries and can exist for centuries without any in outsider help but in theory this could have killed off the entire four if that researcher hadn't have stepped in and realized what was going on because they wouldn't have necessarily had the tools to decide or to, to sorry to find out what was going on so they could have killed all the women which means that all of the men would have died out because no women were procreating yeah, exactly. so actually that's quite a good thing mm-hmm. that she was able to go in and help which is kind of contrary to what I believe of people that necessarily go to other places and think that they can help when it's actually just a little bit of arrogance and privilege yeah yeah I I definitely agree I think like it's like what I was saying about learning about it and having a spin on on something that I actually knew nothing about apart from what's portrayed maybe in like films that you watch where it very much is looking at it from a western point of view Mm. and being like well that's wrong and that's terrifying Mm. and it's not at all like Mm. it's not natural to us because we don't do it in our culture but that doesn't mean it's wrong that's just not what we do in our culture it's something that I never knew about and it's really made me think well think twice about it yeah Yeah, exactly understand the other side of it and remind you that so many things are twisted or looked at through a western lens and they shouldn't be like Mm. we you know it's not it's not what westerners think of something it's cultures develop within their own yeah ecosystems exactly and Mm. i yeah we like it shouldn't be a case of going in and being like i guess it's like when people spread the word of christianity and all this sort of thing it's not you know it's not for one person to tell another person what they're doing wrong unless it's causing something like and not that it was not that it's wrong in terms of their beliefs and what... No, but then if it was to kill off the I mean, entire... Yeah, it's like killing them. Killing, they, they, yeah. they arguably wanted help because they knew that that was going to potentially end the yeah. existence of their... I mean, it did say in tribe. the article that they kind of felt that they their tribe was on the verge of extinction because, as it said, in some villages, there were basically no women left and you can't keep 
the world going, the population going without women. women. Sorry. Essential. Do you know Sorry. Sorry about it. Do you know if they wanted that per- did they invite that person to come and help Bauman? I don't know. I just said that obviously they because I wonder if there's certain parts of um, different groups that would it's the will of God or it's the will of their higher power that if they were going to die out, they were going to die out anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it's rather than it being that they would have requested the help of an outsider, they just would have let it happen because it was what was going to happen. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. That wasn't the sense that I got from the article, but it didn't really touch on that that much. It's just interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. I think there was definitely... It's like Jehovah's Witnesses and blood. Mm. They don't they don't like blood tra- tra- yeah. transfusions, do they? There was a... Yeah, There's a mass talked... generalisation on Jehovah's Witnesses. Sorry about that. But no, it's but like, one thing yeah. that I know yeah. about that. Yeah, I mean, it did. Yeah, it talked about the fact that they were aware that they were potentially on the brink on the brink of extinct extinction, um, and it talked about how before they kind of understood what was happening. Obviously, there was a lot of superstitions around what was going on there, mm. and it was kind of linked more to that than to kind of this is the science behind what's physically happening to this person Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. making them sick but yeah because the kind of finding is carry on like absolutely eat the people that you love if they die yeah but this is what's causing this problem so maybe calm it down for a bit and then get back on it in 2020 (laughs) get rid of it but also i think like if you're watching people that you love suffer in that way because it sounds like a really really yeah, awful really way then I think you are going to be like I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want yeah, yeah I don't want this to happen and it's happening too quickly and it's and it's affecting young people as well yeah. like young children and I think like probably fairly young women because I imagine it would have been the mothers that were maybe our kind of age rather than the the older women within the the community Mm. but then potentially they would have got something like this because the more people get it die and people then are coming into contact with that tissue complex anthropological issues yeah yeah Yeah. that was great that was really good well done really liked it cheers thanks sarah why don't you give us a harrowing story i think i think i'm quite on the podcast because i sit quite far back and quite relaxed maybe Mm. i need to be more Hello. Hello. When I listen to other podcasts, they sound very, very loud. (laughs) Sarah, why don't you go (laughs) lean right in? Loud. (laughs) Lean in, Daily. Lean in. So, you've heard about the Titanic, right? No. Yep. It was a big ship, big boat, hit an iceberg, a bit of a catastrophe. Mm. And then the old lady dropped it into the ocean in the end. (laughs) Dropped the Titanic into the ocean. Dropped the heart of the ocean into the ocean, right? Remember it? Yeah. Expensive necklace. Yeah. Um, more than 1,500 people died. Yeah. And much like other stories that we've mentioned on the podcast, things that happen that are bad lead to improvements further down the line, don't yeah. they? Like yeah. health and safety rules and totally regulations thinking. and blah, blah, blah. So the disaster of the Titanic caused health and safety rules to change for voyages in the future. The sinking of the Titanic gave rise to the Lifeboats for All movement among international marine safety officials. In the United States... Congress passed a bill requiring lifeboats to accommodate 75% of a vessel's passengers and in March 1915, President Woodrow Wilson signed what became known as the Lafayette Seamen's Act. Did you know this? No. No. Okay. Well, because of this, this bad thing happened. I I have a question first. Go. Why only 75%? I don't know. 
Why not? Surely 110. Surely 110. Wait. Uh Uh-huh. And we'll go into this. But because that was part of the problem with Titanic is I think they only had 40 to 50% of the capacity covered in lifeboats. So it didn't cover the people. And the way that the Titanic sank meant that most of the people were able to be rescued but weren't rescued because there weren't enough lifeboats to take them to safety. Yeah. That's not what happened in this story. Oh, God. So... At 7.18am on July 24th, 1915, the crew of the Great Lakes excursion steamer Eastland prepared for that morning's journey. 2,573 passengers and crew crowded aboard and it said that the atmosphere felt very festive. The Eastland was one of five vessels chartered to carry Western electric workers and their families on a day-long outing from the downtown Chicago to a park 38 miles across Lake Michigan to the southeast. So it was kind of a... A glorified jolly for the workers of that company. They put it on. Lovely. They paid for it. It was said to be the social event of the year, a chance for families to have fun and a break for workers who also saw it as an opportunity to meet eligible singles. So it's quite a, quite a big thing. Quite a few boats were ferrying passengers. More than 7,000 tickets had been sold, but that was split across a couple of different boats. Mm. But arguably a lovely day out for everyone and um, people were really looking forward to it and everybody was really excited. God. The Eastland, so the boat in question, was the first boat scheduled to leave and employees had been encouraged to get there early. A few minutes after 7am, men, women and children were boarding at the rate of 50 people per minute with two federal inspectors keeping careful count, which was the normal practice at the time. The Eastland was licensed to carry 2,500 passengers plus the crew on board. As a steady drizzle began to fall, many of the women, especially those of young children, took refuge below the decks to keep out of the rain. In the main cabin, a band played for dancing. On the upper deck, passengers jostled to find seats or leaned against the railing, calling out to arriving friends. A little bit like the starting part of the film Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, it was busy, everyone was excited, everyone was having a lovely time. The Eastland filled with passengers between 7.10 and 7.15, but it began to list to port away from the wharf. The movement didn't seem to alarm the partygoers, but it did catch the attention of the harbour master and some observers that were on the land waving goodbye. It managed to right itself, but only briefly. (laughs) At 7.23, it listed even further to port. Water poured through the open gangways into the engine room. The crew there, realising what was about to happen, scrambled up a ladder to the main deck. At 7.28, so five minutes later, the Eastland listed to a 45-degree angle. The piano on the promenade rolled to the port wall, almost crushing two women... A refrigerator slid to port, pinning a woman beneath it. Water poured into open portholes in the cabins below the deck. Fuck. By 7.30, the Eastland was lying on its side in 20 foot of murky water, oh still Christ. tied to the dock. It hadn't even hasn't left. Hasn't even gone. Oh hasn't even God. set sail. The vessel rolled so quickly, there was no time to launch the life-saving equipment. As the boat settled on its side, many passengers climbed over the starboard railing and walked across the exposed hull to safety, never even getting their feet wet. So um, a reporter for the Chicago Herald, Harlan Babcock, is quoted as saying, when the boat toppled... What a great name, sorry. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. I had a reaction to that. <laughs> 
When the boat toppled on its side, those on the upper deck were held off like so many ants being brushed from a table. In an instant, the surface of the river was black with struggling, crying, Oof. frightened, drowning humanity. Oof. We infants floated about like corks. About 10,000 people were milling about on the riverfront that day. Grocery and poultry merchants, their customers, Western electric workers waiting to board other ships. Horrified onlookers raced to the rescue, some jumping into the river. Others threw whatever they could find into the uh, water to provide flotation for those struggling, including boards, ladders and wooden chicken crates. Some of the crates struck passengers in the water, knocking them out and putting them under. Parents clutched children and disappeared together beneath the brown water or lost their grip and watched their children sink out of sight. Another um, quote from the time was, God, the screaming was terrible. It's ringing in my ears oh still. Oh, God. Um, so it happened very quickly. There were so many people either waiting for the next boat to come or waiting to wave off people because it was a prestigious day. It was something that happened every year, people realised. But it meant that there were so many people there and it was kind of an unbearable um, reaction. There was overcrowding and confusion. Um, rescuers, emergency personnel and curious onlookers flocked to the scene. By noon, divers and rescue workers finally reached the bodies that had been trapped underwater in the portside cabins. And after all that time, the bodies that were coming up were just women and children. Mm. Priests arrived to hear confessions and administer last rites, but there wasn't much they could do. The result of the Eastland somersault could be phrased in two words, living or dead. After the Eastland rolled, 844 passengers died 20 feet from the dock. 70% of them were under the age of 25. Mm. So didn't leave the dock, didn't even set sail. Everybody got on board. Everybody was excited because of the rain. Lots of women and children sheltered underneath. Mm. It turned very quickly. The cabins flooded with water and they were drowned instantly. So very quickly catastrophic. So during the debate that I mentioned that kind of caused the bill to happen after the Titanic, um, it meant that lifeboats were carried on passenger ships and the general manager of Detroit and Cleveland Navigation Company warned that some of the Great, Great Lake vessels, which is what the Eastland was part of, had shallow drafts and that the ships would turtle if you attempted to navigate them with additional weight on the upper decks but nobody listened to him. There was, after the incident of the Eastland, everybody wanted to blame somebody, everybody looked for a scapegoat. So a fixing blame for the accident began. Eastland captain Henry Pedersen, chief engineer Joseph Erickson and other crew members were taken into custody on the Saturday, in part to protect them from the angry crowd, but also to question them for what happened. Within three days of the accident, seven inquiries were already underway. Cook County officials asserted their jurisdiction immediately. They interviewed witnesses and crew members. An attorney, County Attorney Mackley Hoyne, told reporters the United States Inspection Service directly responsible for this disaster. Now is the time to inspect the inspectors. Chicago should demand that that and nothing else happen. U.S. Commerce Secretary William C. Redfield dispatched to Chicago by President Wilson seized the Eastland, enlisting the help of U.S. District Judge Kenny Saw Mountain Landis, who, in whose, Sorry. I'm not sure, <laughs> Kenny Saw Mountain Landis, in whose courtroom federal proceedings would be heard. 
Despite the haste, it would take 24 years to conclude litigation related oh to the Eastland disaster. In the end, blame was pinned largely on Ericsson, the chief engineer, for mismanaging the ballast tanks in the hold to right the Eastland before it capsized. So that's kind of all to do with weight above the load line, which meant that it would stay afloat on water. So if it was too heavy on top, it meant that that load line would never be mm. flat, which meant that it was always going to list to either side. Mm. Ericsson, who initially represented, who was initially represented by Clarence Darrow, died as the proceedings dragged on because obviously it went on for 24 years. Um, that made him, in view of George Hilton, the historian who analysed thousands of pages of maritime and legal documents about this disaster, the full guy so Mm. it went on for so long people just wanted an outcome people just wanted something to be pinned on somebody although evidence did suggest he had been negligent he wasn't prosecuted nor were the officers of the steamship company all criminal charges were dropped and the owners avoided any legal finding of negligence but the blame did rest in a poorly designed boat that had been rendered top heavy as a result of the post titanic safety measures so by 1915, the Eastland, which had been designed to carry six lifeboats initially, and this boat was old, it had been, you know, sailing around for hours, millions of years, was carrying 11 lifeboats, 37 life rafts, which are about 1,100 pounds each. Right, so it was after the new... Regulations, regulations. safety regulations after the Titanic and the disaster of the Titanic. Oh, my God. And it had enough life jackets, which were £6 per person, for all 2,570 passengers and crew. So it was fucking heavy. That's why it's not 100%. To go back to my question earlier, why not 100%? Because it's really fucking heavy. Too fucking heavy. (laughs) Most of these were stowed on the upper decks. No tests were conducted to determine how the additional weight affected the boat's stability. So the Titanic sank... Everybody's very worried about the fact they couldn't rescue everybody, so they put more lifeboats, put more life jackets, mm. without testing how it would affect yeah, like different really boats. Top heavy, yeah. But you can you can picture it perfectly, can't you? You've got this kind of like empty but top heavy boat that's not got any people on it yet, so it's sitting mostly out of the water. Yeah. And then as people are coming on on the top deck, it will be they'll be loading it up on one side, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it will be pinging and rocking from side yeah. to side. Oh, so God. if anything, the people that went below deck quickly probably helped it sink slower. Mm-hmm. But still, it was just too top heavy. And actually, even though it was officially counted that it was only 2,500-ish people that went on board, some people said that at least 3,200 people boarded that boat that day. Fuck. So it kind of flouted regulations anyway because it allowed that many people on it anyway the disaster has been called the most deadly shipwreck in great lakes history Mm. a calamity that took more passenger lives than the sinking of the titanic or the lusitania but that's weird like there's quite a lot of things that i read that just focus on the passenger lives that were lost not Mm. the total lives that were lost so the titanic is like oh it was over 1500 people that died on the titanic but it was only around 800 of passengers that died because the rest were crew that's very weird so the way that this is reported in quite a lot of places is that oh it's the most passenger lives lost in a ship wreckage and it's like that's kind of irrelevant it doesn't really matter how many passenger lives lives. it should be total passengers so actually i don't know how many people actually died 844 people are officially claimed to have lost their lives on the eastland 
But that number isn't certain because we have no idea how many crew lost their lives. It very much focused on passengers rather than crew. Um, but just 10 weeks earlier, the Lusitania had been torpedoed <laughs> and sunk with a death toll of 785 passengers. And obviously in 1912, 829 passengers had died aboard the Titanic. That doesn't include the 694 crew members that also died, which I just think is a weird yeah, way to count really that. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't find the definitive number for the total amount of victims. And it could be that most of the crew survived because they were able to get up top really quickly or they weren't already below deck. So maybe they all got a- across. But it's highly unlikely, especially if there are nearly a thousand more people on board than officially stated. So it's definitely really sad if the crowd, if the crew wasn't included too. Mm. But also, I'd never heard of this before. I'd no, never heard of the ship. Everybody, everybody knows the story of the Titanic. You knew about the story of the Titanic regardless of the Leo and Kate Winslet film anyway. Yeah. And obviously there was other stuff that happened. And I really wondered why that was the case. So Ted Wacholtz, president of the Eastland Disaster Historical Society, has a theory on why the Eastland looms so much smaller in American memory than that of the Titanic or the Lusitania. And his direct quote is, there wasn't anyone rich or famous aboard. It was all hardworking, salt of the earth, immigrant families. Mm. And nobody cared. Oh, God. The thing is, it's probably fucking right, isn't I think, it? I think that is right. You think Ugh. about what the Titanic was and it was the maiden voyage and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. it was very much the uh, yeah. lower, middle and upper class. Yeah. And all of those kinds of things. And obviously hitting an iceberg yeah, was quite unprecedented yeah, in the time. I guess that's the other thing because this is a fuck up because of regulations, right? Whereas the Titanic was a fuck up because... It hit something it wasn't supposed to yeah. hit. I mean, but then, arguably it wasn't it wasn't built well enough, and there obviously weren't enough lifeboats. But yeah. would that have? But then it's also like you just think, regardless of the reason it sank, the fact that this amount of people lost lives would be just as important, especially after the fact that I mean, I think I suppose if Titanic Titanic wasn't obviously the first ship that sunk in the 1900s, but the first one of the of many. But this these all happened in the five years between each other so all of them should have been as important yeah no I agree that it's just as important I just wonder whether that's partly why if it was like more uh we did this out of an improvement and we fucked up so let's yeah that's how I found the story so it was a uh, kind of looking into what we've spoken about before like the improvements of health and safety because of things that happened that were catastrophic and then I found this story, which I'd never heard of before, and I found it really interesting. And it's ironic that they tried to improve things because of what happened on the Titanic and then actually made it worse for everybody else, regardless of it even mm. setting sail. Yeah. It's very, very bittersweet. And then it's arguably even worse because obviously it was a lot of women and children that died. Horrible. Mm. What a bummer. Yeah, yeah, sorry. End on a bummer. That's how it goes. That's how we do it. Yeah. like to end on a bummer. Just don't get on a boat, guys. Just don't go on a cruise. I mean, I get fucking well seasick anyway. Oh, yeah, you do, don't you? You're quite a seasick it. person. Yeah. I've got a bit of a near miss, actually, on a boat, but I don't know whether it really was a near miss. In Laos. In Laos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty scary. Why has it only come up on episode 17? Uh, I guess I've never really thought for, about it. I know, 20 is our uh, celebrity special. We <gasps> have spoken about this, though, haven't Maybe we? Maybe we should do an episode that's like things that have happened to us. Yeah. But haven't we spoken about this before, that we said that we should do this and then neither of you had anything? Oh, yeah, well, I don't think that I do. And then I remember that, which I don't know really how close we were to dying, but it was it was a bit scary. Have you got one? Well, 
just thinking about my seasickness when I first when I first contracted seasickness, and I was basically passing out, half hanging off the side of a boat. I mean, that's probably a little bit dicey. Probably, yeah. Anyway, that's my story. So that's my new miss. Okay, well, that's when I got. That's when I was sick in my eyes. What? I've, Fuck t- me. I've told you that story. No, save it for episode twenty-one. Uh, hey. Trailing it. Anyone that listens, this is a good... Like, do you care? Do you want to hear the three of us talk about things that have happened to us or would you rather we just kept it? Interesting stories. Yeah. So if you got the time to give us an email, Instagram message, whatever. Tiffany and Imogen, Lead the way. But also anyone else that listens, we just want to know if you're listening. and Vicky, Ellie, Shelley, Kevin. Yeah. Bryony, Nina. Katie. Katie, all your regs. All the regs. Do you do you want us to talk about the I time think we, we sh- may have nearly died on a boat in Laos or could you not give any less of a fuck? I think we just will. Fucking well, I think anyway. at least me and you both have boat ones, so. Boats are scary. Unless Sarah was nearly eaten by a tiger, it's not going to mix it up too much. Definitely not. So, this part of the show is where we talk about girl crushes. It might seem a bit random to you, but we don't like to end on bummer notes, especially my story this week, obviously. Um, So we like highlighting women that we find interesting or insightful or funny or just fit as fuck. And that's how we end the show. So, Daily, what is your girl crush this week? So I I was casting around for a girl crush this week. Asking women, someone... do you want to be my girl crush? <laughs> Who are you? Tell me about yourself. Yeah. What have you done this week? Yo, yo, we should do. Get one, over here. We should do one week where it's not famous or well-known people. We should do people that we really like in our I real lives. I just constantly think of people that I work with or people that I'm pals with. We should do that one week. Okay, maybe we'll do that in episode twenty when we do the next celebrity special. We'll do real people. <gasps> Great idea. Real people girl crushes. Okay. Cool. Um, and so mine this week was what? Who is my default girl crush? Who I think is brills, and who do I instantly think of when I think of women that I admire? So she's not tropical at all. I don't know what she's up to lately. It's Maxine Peake. Maxine Peake. Because I just think she is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent thing I've seen her in is the is the funny cow. No. No? <laughs> the film she was in earlier this year. No, I haven't seen Funny that. Funny Cow. Well, she's in Funny Cow. <laughs> Elves has seen it. Elves knows more about Maxine Pink yeah, than actually, I do. No, no, mate, Claire. please, please chip in. Um, but she was in... So I love Black Mirror, um, and she was in the most recent series, and I think that Black Mirror takes a long time, personally, to sort of reflect on and digest. And some episodes stick with me much longer than others, and the one that she was in in the most recent series has stuck with me and her performance in it is the reason that it's stuck with me. Mm. So Maxine Peake, I just fucking love her. I absolutely love her. She should yeah. be on TV and stage and movies constantly piped into my eyes. That's all I want, Maxine Peake. Rolled into your eyes. Yeah. Maxine, Enjoyable. Maxine Peake is great. Nice one. Love I just, Maxine Peake. just Googled it on my phone to make sure I was thinking of the right person. And yeah, I am. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> Loved in the ladies. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, that that tie is something I hadn't even quite contemplated. Beautiful. Yeah. Can I just have? Can I just have a group of women? Yeah. 
depends who they are. Okay. Yes, you can. I saw Ocean's 8 on Friday. Oh, hey. did you? I didn't even know it was out yet. <gasps> what? It's been out for ages. I really want to see it still. <laughs> Don't you know your local cinema times daily? No. I haven't even seen Hereditary and I really want to see that. Oh, Ugh. shit. I, I thought you were going to see it together. That's, that's been and gone. You're no. Dicks. Do you know where it's still on? Prince Charles Cinema. Oh, is All it right. a sing-along? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> sing-along Get Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> West Country. Amazing, mate. Amazing. Um, went to see it on Friday. As a side note, it's taken me till I'm 29 to realise you can take your own bottle of wine into the cinema. You don't have to fucking buy it from the bar oh, for a sure. bloody fiver. Never but, even thought about that. But... Question: Are You just swinging it out of the bottle? Nope. Glasses. Ooh. Yeah. Not what? Glasses. So you was in like Cups. I brought my own wine. Can I have a glass? Pop it in your bag. I oh, right, hide it. Pop some. Pop some. Oh, okay, fine. Covert. Yeah. Absolutely. Never even contemplated that, and then rebel. went to You've the cinema once been and very saw, pure saw and chaste your entire yeah. life. <laughs> saw a couple <laughs> drinking a bottle of wine, and Matt and I were like, "Why aren't we doing that? Why don't we do that? Why are we spending the same price on a glass as we could spend on a bottle?" <laughs> to be fair, when I was a kid, I above drinking age, they used to search us going into cinemas. Like it used to be a thing that you would take loads of shit in, so people were like, "Can I have a look in your bag?" And I just thought oh, that's a bit much. It's fine now, obviously. That is a bit much. Mm. Yeah, taking a bottle of wine and some cherries. Delightful. Anyway, uh, yeah, Soul Ocean's 8. All the women are bossing it. Like them all. Who have we got? Bullock, Rihanna. Anne Hathaway. Kaylig. Mindy Kaylig's name, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett. Also, genuinely my favourite character, Sarah Paulson. (gasps) I love Sarah Paulson. She was in, did you watch the OJ thing? Yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, in that. she's really good in that. Aquafina. Sorry, is that a person's name? Looks like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Yeah. I just, I don't know a lot. Of the God, I felt like Nora my Lum. dad saying that. Then. Nora Lum, known by the stage name Aquafina, but she plays the one that like swipes all your jewelry on the low, and she's really funny. I love it. Like I've not read loads about the film, but apparently they all just got on really well and had a lovely time making oh, it. So I think that's a good girl crush. Several Crushes. girl crushes. I love it. Collective Enjoyable. girl crush. I think straight hair's making a comeback. What, like pulp, like dead straight, like yeah, dead like, straight, like, like naughty, yeah, like mm. like mid two thousand straight hair. Just because a lot of them have got it, and Sandra They're Bullock's rocking it. Got and quite was, short, shortish hair, haven't they? No, Sandra Bullock's got long hair. Oh, she. It made me think, like, oh, that looks cool, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's going to make a comeback. I mean, it's been fifteen years, so it's due. About time. Isn't it? About, About time. time. Look, lads, my Listen. girl crush. Missy Elliott. Oh, nice. So, Missy Elliott's great for a multitude of reasons. Amazing singer, songwriter, lyricist, rapper. She features on all of my playlists for very many reasons. But the reason she's my girl crush this week is I saw a tweet, a meme, the other day about how like supportive she is of other women. Nice. And I've never followed her on Twitter. I didn't really realise she was on Twitter because I'd never really been exposed to her. But she is like the loveliest person on Twitter. You've got to follow her. She just tweets back to famous women. Well, not just famous women, but other famous women. And she's like to like Cardi B. She'd be like, yes, you fucking got this. You're amazing. You're amazing. (sighs) And then somebody else is like, you hold yourself true. Like, you're amazing. Don't worry about what people think of you. You're amazing. Like, she's so supportive. She's so like lifting other women up. And it's so lovely to see. She's kind of like your mum, your aunt. 
how they would text you and be supportive, but that on Twitter. Ugh, and then let's check it out. This morning, she was just really lovely about Demi Lovato, who's yes. heroin overdose, and it's just like so lovely to see. She's a fucking queen herself, and she lifts other queens higher. And I'm fucking here for it. Nice, Missy Elliott can't rap every part of her songs. Never have been able to, but I'll still keep trying. And she'll support me for it. She will. She'll love it. I remember you tagging me in that tweet that was like, on the day you die, you're for, you're you'll be showing videos of you trying to rap Missy Elliott. Bit. <laughs> it's true. What's your favourite Missy Elliott song? The Rain, obviously. The Rain brackets super duper fly. Mine's Gossip, folks. Guys. It reminds me of a certain point in my life. I'm going to say something really controversial. You don't like Missy Elliott? I don't know a lot of her stuff. Oh. And the stuff that I do know... You don't like? I don't really like. Oh, I and thought I'm sure you were a fan. No. Doesn't matter. I'm sure she's a great woman. I it's always skip you. past her songs as they come you. on. All right. Sorry, lads. I'm sure that we've danced to Missy Elliott. Maybe if I'm drunk enough, I'll dance to anything. But yeah, I'm not, not a big fan. I'm interesting. Oh. Elsa's got to go. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> got to get rid of Elsa on the podcast. So episode 18 is just me and you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm here for her bigging up other women and I'm oh, not yeah, yeah. and my taste means nothing clearly I mean no, you've got literally great taste. my Spotify made for you list brought up a lot of shockers today so. <laughs> <laughs> that you listen to Absolutely all the way through and loved, yeah absolutely. I just I've never I've never really got on board but uh, I think we just need to work harder on you uh, so thank you for listening Thanks. as always that's a wrap on episode 17 Sarah, see you next week see wrap it we oh. <laughs> can't can't rap can't do it. Um, we'll see you in episode eighteen, which is two episodes before the celebrity special. The big celebrity special. Do get in touch. Whataway at gmail dot com on the socials at whatawaypod. We're going to try and be more prolific on the socials. We say this every week, and we're not, but. We're we've, got fucking, we've got lives, do you know what I mean? We've got, we've got Stop things fucking going on. Us. Uh, okay, um, goodbye. <laughs> See you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.